Welcome to Happiness 2.02 podcast. I'm your host, John Tuckums, founder, author, World Government Summit participant, and Forbes featured TEDx speaker, an inquisitive human who loves root knowledge. Happiness 2.02 is a mental health show for entrepreneurs that provides the full human cognition and the full breathing oxygen tools to rapidly shift states of mind and increase energy. Podcast guests include organization founders, world-renowned executives, MDs, PhDs, and remarkable leaders who have incredible stories and are helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen. You're listening to Happiness 2.02. This is your host, John Tuckums. You're listening to episode 11 with Claude Silver. Claude is a Forbes featured keynote speaker, the first ever chief heart officer and best-selling author. While you're listening to this podcast, if anything stands out to you as thought provoking or remarkable, take a screenshot and write down what you've heard from Claude. Post the insight on social media, text the idea to a friend, or email what you've learned to a family member. Get this information out there. Without further ado, episode 11 of Happiness 2.02 podcast with Claude Silver. Claude, time is a finite resource. Underline everything that you do across your life, your leadership, your podcast, your speaking engagements. Why do you do what you do? Ultimately, what drives you at your core? Well, John, what drives me at my core is my pilot light, which is my purpose. And that is to facilitate growth and change and truly, truly be of service. I think that having a a heart that is generous and a spirit that is generous is really the most important thing to me. And remembering that every single day, no matter who I'm speaking with or what I'm saying, I am I'm basically leaving my legacy with them. I'm leaving a, a heart print or my own fingerprint on them. And I want that to be a positive one. Yeah, absolutely amazing. In terms of that heart uh, and spirit, um, if you look back uh, early on in your life, where, where are some of the earlier spots that you really uh, started experiencing that connection that uh, has only manifested itself into your current role? Uh, it might have been in high school or elementary school that uh, perhaps it was a, a moment or an experience that you know, just kind of further opened up your, your heart connection. Yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful question. I have to say two things. I can remember when I was maybe five or six, always mm. wanting to be somewhat of a protector to people. And I, I think people, when I say that, is probably like well, maybe those that were uh, quieter, more introverted in school. And this was very, very young. So I'm, you know, nursery school or kindergarten. Then what I remember the most is I was always a captain of every sports team I was on. And I was a player, obviously. But I was always, you know, in my heart, very much a leader, but also a cheerleader. And there are two different things there. You know, one is leading a team, running into the fire, being a servant leader, really working for others, which is what I believe. And then the cheerleader part is, is cheering someone on, rooting for them. And whether or not I was on the soccer team or the tennis team, that is something that came with me. I, I don't know how it got there necessarily, my family probably, and just who I am inside, but that has come with me decades later. Mm, beautiful. Uh, and in terms of those earlier experiences, uh, you know, most people face adversity at times. Uh, was, there, was there moments in time that you faced adversity that uh, you're like, okay, 
I managed to get through this and now I'm going to help other people. Uh, was that part of uh, your recollection? I know you went back to, to five or six years old, uh, which is remarkable because a lot of people can't even go back that far. But is, was, there, was there moments or experience, uh, adversity that you experienced that helped really kind of shape uh, in its identity, but it's also just your being in terms of kind of that protector spirit? Yes, definitely. So I'm dyslexic and really struggled in school, really, really struggled with academics. I was tutored from a very young age and uh, I stuck out like a sore thumb. So I, w- I was, you know, popular and I had friends and, and, uh, and was a, an athlete, which was terrific. But it was very apparent, especially in the small private schools I went to, that I was quote unquote, not smart. Those are my words, but not smart. I uh, took algebra three times. I took the SATs three times, untimed. I think I really would have failed my senior year had my father not been on the board of the private school I went to. So I mention all of those things because I know what it's like to not feel great about myself. And I know what it's like to feel very much like an underdog. I now look at that like I'm a late bloomer, not an underdog. And there's a very big distinction there. You know, and there were other things, other trials and tribulations that I put myself through in adolescence, whether or not they were bad decisions I made with boys or, you know, substances or, Mm -hmm. you know, I was a a very big risk taker. (laughs) I still am a risk taker. I've just found ways to do that now. So, you know, those types of adversities I have, I've certainly gone gone through. I mean, it's part of the hero's journey and come out on the other end, which has given me a, um, a real, real empathetic heart when it comes to helping and being there for other people who are stuck in the mud there. Because I, I was stuck in the mud for a very long time with different parts of adversity, if you will. You know, it built my resilience muscles, for sure. Yeah, I'm sorry sure. I had all of them. But I also wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't had to go through some of those challenges. And over time, you've, you've built up a you know, tremendous strength. What is, you know, through the, you know, through the experience of especially being dyslexic and, you know, it's almost a label that, you know, once it's labeled on you, now it's even feels even more like a, like a heat lamp on you, I imagine. And uh, so you built this resilience to be able to get through. It might take longer. You're going to find a way to get it done. What are some of the things now that you've, you've come to, um, you know, this kind of this new state of being now that um, where you can now experience uh, flow states, which you may have not experienced as much or kind of pinnacle states uh, as part of that journey? I know you talked about surfing, um, you know, as part of uh, your personal story, uh, you know, just prior to us going on air. Uh, but uh, I'd love to love to hear more about kind of what gets you into those those peak states uh, currently. Yeah. So a couple of things. I, I think the first thing that might be you know odd to some people might really uh, be relational to others is that music. You know, avid music junkie. I love live music. I love listening to the same songs over and over and over. And there's a very repetitive pattern to the music I seem to like. It's very train tracky. You can really hear almost the heartbeat of it. So mm. I like trance that does that a lot or, you know, a lot of music that has drums to it. So whether or not that's U2 or the national, those types of things. So music really, really takes me to a place that 
I love going to. That's the first thing. The second thing is when I am playing to my strengths and doing what it is that I know I'm meant to be, I'm meant to do, that's the reason I'm here. And that is usually with another person. So holding space, having a conversation, rooting them on, really helping them connect the dots and potentially see something in themselves that they don't see yet. That takes me to a very much to a flow space. I mean, it really, you know, gets me high in a way, which Mm. is, which is what we're talking about when, when my synapses are just clicking and you're, I know I'm in relationship with this person. It's, it's, it's incredible. And if I really think about it, it's the same thing that happens when I listen to a song that I love over and over again. I, I'm in relationship with that song. Yeah, beautifully described. And, and how, uh, how would you describe uh, your breathing or you talked about just that, uh, it's almost that, that pattern. You know, what, are, what, are, what is that experience like? like if it's, sometimes it's hard to put into words, but uh, when you're in that flow state, if you could describe to the audience what that, that feels like or uh, you know, in terms of breath or in terms of uh, you know, just being present, uh, if you could share kind of some insights there, that'd be great. Yes, totally. It is a type of almost walking meditation, if you will, where you know the colors are brighter, you notice the leaves on a tree, being blown. Um, you notice sounds that you might not normally notice because you're just keyed in, you're tuned in. The breathing, you know, I, I've done holotropic breath work and I certainly do some deep breathing when I meditate, which is in the nighttime. I find that breathing is a wonderful reset and it almost allows me to clear, obviously it does allow me to clear the cobwebs out, but I almost feel like it empties my organs out so that I'm fresh. I'm like starting with a clean slate. And with that clean slate, I'm able to be much more, much more in relationship with my senses. So whether or not that is my, my taste, the sense of taste or, or hearing those types of things, that's what is going on for me. It's, you know, it's quite metaphysical. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And how about uh, just, uh, it sounds like you've spent some time uh, around water in, uh, in a kind of a past life. Was that part of what, uh, you know, uh, kind of gave you insights into that experience? Or was that another way that you could, could find that, uh, you know, that extra sensory, amazing experience? So I, to answer the question, I'm actually looking out at the ocean right now. And wow. water gives me that sense of expansiveness. And with expansiveness, it's the same, exactly the same thing I'm talking about when I'm breathing, when I'm feeling like I'm empty and I'm, I'm, I'm allowed, you know, being empty, I'm lighter. I'm, I can fly. I can, I can take, I can take in much more. So, um, I, I do think that that's my relationship with water. And then when I, started to teach surfing when I was in San Francisco. Um, I, I had a surfing outdoor adventure company for five years, which uh, we ended up selling to one of our surf instructors. That, you know, the idea of being such a small, small, small part of this universe in a vast ocean, and that was the Pacific, which went on and on and on. You know, you, you get the idea that not only are you, you get the 
the idea and the remembrance that you are just a small piece of sand mm. in this great, great world. However, one small piece of sand can do great things. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, we'd shift gears a little bit and uh, just find out some of the small things that uh, you do to maintain happiness or well-being in your personal life. You know, life has its ups and downs, kind of like a heartbeat. Uh, not every day is perfect. And what are some of the kind of the practices? You talked about meditation. Uh, is there things that you do to take time out during your day uh, that uh, impact your happiness and well-being? Yeah. So a gratitude journal is something that I absolutely am addicted to. I have to do it. I choose to do either write down three or five things. It's always either three or five things that I'm grateful for that day. And it's a, and I, and I do that religiously on a, on a nightly basis. It's incredible to just think about for a second what I'm grateful for. And, and you, you, I believe that I get a rush of oxytocin when that happens, mm. which is really, really something. I have a 19-month-old daughter who I, you know, am obsessed with. And while we're all quarantined, I have her every day. And whether or not I'm able to spend an hour with her, a half, half an hour with her during the workday or more time, you know, that in itself is, it's juicy, it's delightful, it centers me, it makes me not look at my phone, and I'm with her. Whatever we're doing, whether or not we're doing finger painting, uh, we're singing, we're hugging, you know, whatever it is, um, that's something that really, really just brings me to a very calm place. Yeah, imagine uh, just you know, those experiences too. It's that, that, that creative state too as well that, uh, um, you know, with... Uh, you know, a, a daughter that's you know bright-eyed and looking to explore the world. It also uh, allows you to be present, but also present in, to, in a creative space too, as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, other practices across your life, it sounds that uh, you, know, you you finish off your day with uh, journaling exercises, you know, kind of three to five gratitude. How, how do you start your day? Are there any specific rituals that uh, that you'd like to share with the audience? that uh, you found tremendously helpful to kind of to kickstart the day to get into that right state? Yeah. So interestingly enough, I usually wake up with a song in my head. Uh, There's no rhyme or reason for it. It can be a song that, uh, you know, I heard growing up. Maybe it's Chuck Berry that my dad used to play or, or maybe it's a, uh, I have no idea. It could be anything. It's definitely not a song I went to bed listening to. That's for sure. So that's one of the ways that I'm always waking up. There's always a song in my head that usually comes out in my, uh, in my voice. And yeah. I always have a glass of water before I have coffee. And so I do have coffee in the morning. That's a ritual. But I have a glass yeah. of water first, which I feel like kind of feeds those organs that have been asleep for a bit. And when I can, and so right now I can, I have more time. I will do some sun salutations. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about uh, sun salutations uh, for people that are less, less familiar? Yeah. Uh, it sounds like it involves, uh, you know, uh, perhaps vitamin D. It could be wrong, but uh, I'd love, <laughs> love, love to learn more about it. Yeah. Well, it's yoga, and I'm sure it's called a certain thing in yoga. I'm, I'm, an, I'm a, such a novice that I don't know 
if it's Ashtanga or um, Prasana, I don't know which kind of yoga, and I'm sure your listeners would. I, whether or not you do it inside or outside, I, I don't think it matters necessarily. But it is um, a way of stretching your body out and really putting your body into uh, some places where um, you can almost, you know, open your heart. You know, there are some mm. moves that you want to kind of open your chest and let more oxygen in and, and, and open your heart and, you know, let different parts, different joints open up. There's a couple plank poses in there. So you're really, you know, holding yourself up and holding up your, your abdomen, strengthening your back. And then you end each one in, um, in namaste, you know, with your, your palms together and your thumbs, you know, really pressing into your sternum and, and whether or not, you know, you're blessing the universe or blessing someone that you're doing it with or blessing yourself. So again, it's another wonderful way to center and, and bring calm, just, just a lot of calm. I'm, I'm usually a very calm person, I will say. And, you know, people will say usually that I'm very chill and very Zen. There's not a lot that is going to shake me to my core. And yeah, that's taken a lot of practice to get there. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, and um, what are some of the, the current initiatives and, and projects that you're working on uh, that uh, you'd like to share with the audience? I understand that uh, I've been a part of a book and uh, uh, can you share with some of the, the, the projects that, uh, that are top of mind for you? Yeah, sure. So at work, Vayner Media, Vayner X, the, you know, the biggest initiatives I'm working on are really um, uh, bringing allyship and anti-racism to, to the forefront and doing mm. enormous amounts of training within diversity, inclusivity, the equ- uh, equality space. And that's something that I'm very, very active in now. And look, whether or not that's looking at our recruitment practices or unconscious bias training. So I'm spending a lot of time doing that in the workspace and really touching people and, and ensuring that they are getting the transparency that they deserve and they're asking for, especially during this time uh, in America that we are all in. In my, uh, my private life, my other life, I am uh, writing a book. So I've started a book proposal which is coming along little by little. I'm, I'm doing my best to have fun with it and play with it rather than, you know, get, get stuck into a place of, of uh, you know, I'm the quote unquote not smart person, as we've, I've already talked about, something I had to get over. And working um, to put out as, as much you know, positive content as I can on social media Positive and realistic, you know, certainly not uh, rosy, rosy sunglasses. But my, you know, my purpose really is to bring about a revolution of kindness and tenderness and wow. people, you know, remove shame, which is something that not only I can do, many of us have that same drive and desire, you know, Brene Brown being one of them. So I, I do as much, um, public speaking and putting out content as I possibly can. That seems really uh, authentic to myself and my voice. I'm I'm working on those things and, and soon I'll re-release my podcast. So yeah, those types of things. I mean, we, we all have this incredible 
I'm going to call it a luxury right now of working from home or, or, you know, not having to commute into an office. And so that certainly saves some time. And, you know, everything I do really is trying to better myself, reading, listening to podcasts, taking walks. You know, there's so much to, there's so much to learn. There's so, there's so little I know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you so much. I would love to find out just a little bit more about your, your book at this stage. Uh, When was, what was the, you remember the point in time where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this at at this stage. Uh, Was it a, was it a, a meeting or is it just something you've always wanted to from an, an early, you know, the earliest days. And, uh, it might be even something that uh, was to combat that internal dialogue that happened at some point in time. Like I'm not smart to now. No, I, mm-hmm. I am. I'm fully present. I'm in my place. And now I'm totally comfortable uh, with inside myself. Uh, can you share just a little bit about that? Absolutely. When I was a sophomore in high school or or junior in high school, I really wanted to write a poetry book. So I've come quite a long way from that. And that was when I was really diving into Jim Morrison's poetry or E. Cummings and and the greats like that. Um, However, when I, I guess when I was about, when I was in my, my early 40s, it did dawn on me that some of my experiences might be valid and helpful for others to hear about or learn about and remind people that they're not alone. You know, as I say, you know, wanting to bring more tenderness and compassion to the world and, and really help people remove shame. One of the ways to do that is to storytell and to remind people that whatever they're going through as painful as it might be, they are not alone. That's, that's enormously important for me. And then when I took the role of chief heart officer four years ago, four years and change now, and uh, and made that pivot in my life, in my career, uh, a lot of people were asking me what my principles were, my values, how do I do what I do every single day. And while I'm not prescriptive about what I do, because human beings are not prescriptive, so I need to be able to, to be extremely fluid like water when I'm with people and listening, holding space. I do have a way in which I go about walking my walk, if you will. And um, so I thought through storytelling and writing down, you know, the five things I do as a chief heart officer might be really interesting to people. Uh, So that's what I've started to do. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And that's, uh, and, you know, being in that leadership role where you've developed an approach, uh, you know, a way of being that, um, you might take for granted because it's, you know, it's, you know, it's taken years to, to pull together, but now you can kind of take some time to reflect and say, okay, how can this help other people? Um, and is, is the intent of the book, if I could uh, uh, just clarify a little bit, is it for who the audience might be for, for this upcoming book? Uh, who would uh, feel the benefits or experience the benefits? Yeah, John, I think HR professionals would for sure, because I'm I've now in that world of, HR, I don't call it HR, but I am in that world. I think coaches would appreciate it. I think people going, I think you could find it in both a business section and a self-help section, probably, if you were, mm. you know, at the old Barnes and Nobles and sitting there and pulling out books and reading them on the floor. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's what I, that's what I really think it would, you'd find it there. It's not, it won't be research-based. It'll be 
uh, nonfiction, but I think, you know, helpful in terms of the business, uh, business world, especially uh, a leadership book is what I really think it'll be about. Yeah. And you mentioned something I just want to uh, you know, pick up a little bit more uh, storytelling. It sounds like that's something that might be underrated with uh, with a lot of professionals, uh, whether it be entrepreneurs or you know people in leadership roles in HR. Is that something that's uh, that you found that's tremendously effective and um, you know something that you can connect with a person's heart with? Uh, if you'd share a little bit more about that, I'd, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I do think exactly what you said. It is a way to further connection with people's hearts and their minds and their belief systems. And the, the reason I think storytelling is so important is because each and every one of us, while very similar as human beings, and, and, and many of us have gone through very similar types of things or patterns in life, the idea that we're all unique and we all have unique gifts is something that I think is really, really underrated and important to shine a flashlight on. I really do. You know, how many, how many people are sitting at home thinking that they have nothing to offer, thinking that they are alone or thinking that no one really cares? Well, there will be an audience for someone who cares about you. I can guarantee that. I just can guarantee that I have that much faith in human beings that there are people that are interested in what you have to say. And it is about finding that right audience because we need one another. We are, we are wired to be in connection with one another and we are wired to belong to one another. And I think we do a lot to escape that at times, but at, the, uh, at, its, at its core, we are wired to be in connection. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, thank you for, for sharing your story about, uh, you know, your personal journey, uh, you know, dyslexia, which, um, you know, it's incredibly hard and I have a family connection too as well. So, uh, I can appreciate that on a much deeper level and your story about, uh, you know, taking risks across your career and, and, uh, you're really finding, you know, probably that, that heart connection in yourself and now being in a position now that, uh, uh, you can share with the world, uh, you know, the learnings and, you know, really the, you know, the approaches that you've taken to, to really help people to, to shine to uh, their greatest being. Where can people find you, Claude? Yeah, thank you, John, by the way. I appreciate that. Um, uh, LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter. Uh, I also have a website, which is claudesilver.com. And uh, if anyone writes me, I absolutely write back. It, it might take me a little bit of time to get there, but I love being in contact with people and you know, again, like seeing where I can bring value. And for the audience, uh, in terms of kind of a, a parting words, uh, what words in terms of heart or you know, or hope that uh, you can share with the audience? Um, you really talked about um, you know that uniqueness in all of us that uh, you know often people can't see in themselves. Uh, so that people can go out and find that and have that right connection, so that people can appreciate. It. What kind of parting words do you have for the audience? Well, I will part with, I will leave people with the, uh, the wonderful Maya Angelou stanza. People will forget what you did. People will forget what you said, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And wow. that is absolutely how I live my life. And so 
let's all remember that we have enormous influence on each other. And so let's make people feel like the magnificent creatures that they are. Uh, Absolutely amazing. Claude, thank you for your leadership, your upcoming book, your podcast, your speaking engagements, and all the happiness oxygen you bring to the world. And a tremendous thank you to all the listeners. As always, this has been your host, John Tuckums. You have made it to the end of the podcast. It's your host, John Tuckums. I want to take this moment to sincerely thank you. I'm incredibly grateful for the time you are taking to invest in your life. And if you gain something valuable from this episode and want to give me value somehow, I would tremendously appreciate it if you went to Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you have an Apple product where you listen to this podcast and leave this show a review, you are free to send me a message or email. Contact information is in the description below. Thank you again for listening and thank you for your contributions in helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen.